hi, hi. Hi, hi. Hey. <laughs> How are you, Michael? Uh, I woke up 15 minutes ago. Wow, you seem very fresh for having woke up 15 minutes ago. I feel like you're usually more more sleepy at this point. Well, I I woke up from like a half sleep 15 minutes ago. I see. Hi. Hi. Mm, I feel sad. I feel you sad. feel sad? Yeah. Why? Like, I don't know. <sighs> I'm just thinking about Judaism and like how it's confusing and... <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I want to make like a fucking manifesto. Mm-hmm. Why not what manifesto? I mean, okay, that's fine too. Why not? Let's make a one manifesto and a manifesto. And then they can mate. Then they can mate. I, I, I'm, I want something more, and I think we need to start a cult. That's what I'm saying. Well, definitely not that. Um, We're not going to start a cult. Okay, no cult, fine. But I hear you on wanting something more. I mean, that I, I go through that all the time. Okay. All right. I think that's just part of the quest of life. Okay, well, just so you know, I want more. I don't know what, I don't know how. <laughs> anyway. Your wanting more is real. And also, you have to remember that if you dial back the clock to a year ago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you definitely have exceeded far beyond what you wanted a year ago. So wanting more is just an ever-retreating horizon. Yeah, wanting more is an ever-retreating horizon. Contentment is something that you have to cultivate. It's not something that just happens to you because you finally get the thing. So, you know, think about that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. All right, well, anyway, so that made me feel (laughs) kind of better. (laughs) That's good. It's a hard practice. I feel like I've been working at it for a couple years, and I'm just starting to see some sprouts of gratitude and contentment. So it is hard to cultivate contentment today, but it will be even harder tomorrow. Yeah, that makes sense. So how are you other than existential ennui? Oh, yeah. Like, how am I? How am I? Oh, I'm I I I'm an empty vessel ready to receive (laughs) wisdom. That's how I am. I got nothing. Yeah, that's how I am. Hava, how are you? Uh, I'm well, Bruchem. I've been doing well today. Instead of getting on Twitter in the morning, I've been doing my Animal Crossing dailies in the morning. And that has been a healthy switch have you totally raided my island i have i think i am finally done raiding your island i just went back today to look for some bamboo but you don't have any Uh, yeah i used to have a lot of bamboo i was going for a bamboo pear theme for a while but it didn't work out oh yeah that's a nice theme i mean i got the chopped bamboo from your storage but there were no sprouts which was really what i needed what were the most exciting things you found on my island well i got some of your records which is exciting because Part of the theme of my island is I'm trying to construct my island to force as much villager interaction with furniture as possible. And one of the best furniture interactions is that musical items like microphones and instruments can get villagers to sing, even if their hobby is not singing. So I got a bunch of instruments and microphones and records and high quality stereos, which I didn't even realize until recently that all of the music players in Animal Crossing have a different level of fidelity. Like, they all have different sound quality for the records that you play in them. 
Oh, I did not know that. So that was really exciting for me. I also really like all the flowers. It's really taken a lot of the flower work out for me. Although I still have some to work on, like don't have a lot of tulips, don't have a lot of cosmos. So yeah, the music stuff was really exciting for me and the flowers were really exciting for me. Well, good. I'm glad I my island could be of assistance. But in non-Animal Crossing news... You know, I'm good. All my class cycles are done now, and I have started planning my next class cycle with Binya, which is really exciting. We're just deciding on what material we're going to teach, and I'm feeling like it's going to be really good. I think it might be a class you enjoy because it's not going to be all necessarily like happy, shiny, gay Talmud. It's going to be another facet of the Talmud that we usually don't explore in queer Talmud world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have trouble with the happy, shiny, gay. We're going to be talking about torts. Torts. Okay. I love torts. (laughs) Yeah, so that's mostly what's going on in my life. My cacti are germinating very well. I'm up to 10 cacti sprouts in my cactus arena. Things are going pretty good. I've started shopping for Passover food. I usually don't keep kosher for Passover because food-based mitzvot are really a challenge for me, but this year is my first year trying to not eat chametz during Passover. So I had to do a special shopping trip today, and it was quite challenging. When is Passover? When's the first? It starts on the 27th, I believe, the evening of the 27th. Okay. Second Passover in a row of pandemic. Wild. Yeah, although one of my students got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and she's going to be able to see her family. She thought she was going to have to do a Zoom Passover, but she's going to get to see her family. So that's a pretty big deal. That's really cool. Part of me is like on edge. Everyone's getting vaccines, and uh, it seems too good to be true. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I heard that here in Rhode Island, probably eligibility is going to open up to almost everyone by April 15th. Oh, wow. Okay. That's really neat. So I bet a lot of people will be getting vaccinated soon. You got vaccinated, right? I got my first shot. I get my second shot on April 14th. Wow. Mazel tov. It was a wonderful surprise for me. I didn't think I was going to be able to find an appointment because the rollout has been really slow here, but I did find one and that was a really, a really happy surprise. Wow. Wow. I think we should jump into some listener questions. Yeah. So listeners, today we're going to be answering some listener questions. I am not bringing any Talmud from the Babylonian Talmud, but I consider what we do here at Hi How Are You to be creating Talmud. So we'll be doing all original Talmud today. No no covers, no sampling. I felt like it was a good direction to go. You know, we almost launched that second podcast, that advice show, and Mm -hmm. I thought we could just nestle the second podcast within the first podcast. Okay, great. Okay, we're going to do a little uh, nestling, a little coddling of a podcast inside of this podcast. Okay, first question came through the website from Anonymous, and it says, I have a dating question for you. How do you navigate talking about religious practice when dating people who are pretty secular? I'm queer and pretty observant, but the dating pool of queer and observant people is really small in real life, so I tend to date people who aren't Jewish or aren't observant. I don't want to overwhelm people before we really get to know each other, but also there's a lot of stuff that comes up. Shabbos observance, dietary practice, etc. And it feels like even people who I might get along with really well get turned off because they think I'm super conservative or something. Any advice on religion, non-religious dating appreciated? Okay, that's a great questioner, listener. Thank you for writing in. Glad we're getting a chance to answer it. Yeah, me too. Hava, you are an observant Jew? 
You are a queer Jew. You've dated many, many people. You are, l- l- let me put it this way, you are an expert at dating. <laughs> what is your advice for this listener? What is my advice for this listener? Well, I have one really practical suggestion at the end of this, but first I'll just say, this is really real. I struggle with this myself. My boyfriend right now is Jew curious, but he's currently not Jewish and he'd never really been around someone who was an observant Jew before. So it was really nervous for me, like the first time we had Shabbos together and things like that. So I definitely have grappled with this anxiety. I think it also comes up for me a lot. Like, you know, I'm usually wearing either a kippah or a a tichel, a headscarf. And for me, it's been really hard to deal with the worry about how that will impact people's attraction to me. Like, will people still think I'm pretty if I have those things on? And so there's always been this tension and fear for me around it. What I've tried to do both with friends and with dates with regards to observance is I've tried to take this tactic of whenever it comes up in real life, I'm like, okay, I'm going to light Shabbat candles now. I'm going to do that. Whether you participate or not, I'm going to light my Shabbat candles. And if you want to be a part of that, then you can be a part of that. And if not, then, you know, you can do your own thing. And I just try to find a way to do my mitzvot, to make those my primary focus and then let other people come and go from them as they will. Michael, I want to turn this question back on you because I think this is an interesting perspective because you have dated me. That's right, I did. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think of you as an observant Jew. No, I'm, I'm not an observant Jew. How was it for you? Tell me about your experience being on the other side of this dynamic that our listeners asking about. Well, I think I'm, a, I'm maybe a bit of a of an anomaly, and I think that's reflected in the fact that we started a podcast ultimately about <laughs> Judaism. Yeah, but we dated for a while before the podcast. That's true. That's true. I'm always very curious. I like to interview people. I like to probe and not be afraid to ask questions, and that sometimes gets me in trouble. But with Hava, it didn't get me in trouble. And I was curious about Judaism, so that was a part of our dating life, talking about Judaism how we came to it, how we, in my case, you know, left it. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it was exciting to date someone who was breaking the social norm of progressive people around me. And so, yeah, it was fine for me. And I don't really think you had to change much. I know you did. Like, you you slowly started, like, being more Jewy around me yeah, over time. Yeah, it's true. I did sort of do a boiling a frog in the pot of Judaism with you. And now look where you are. You're in a boiling hot pot of Judaism. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Wow, I really got myself with that one. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You did. So, listener, on the one hand, there's what Hava actually said to you a couple minutes ago, which is, you know, just kind of be you and allow people to participate or not. And then there's the other thing, which is what Hava really did, which is frog in the pot, boil slowly. Right. I did heat it up slowly. Yeah, you did. And so my advice to you is their reaction is going to tell you everything you need to know. It'll be great. It'll be a way for you to not waste time. I want to say, like, it's been a journey for me. For many years, I wanted to stick to only dating people who would, you know, actually be helping me adhere to my religious commitments. Whether they were religious or not, 
I wanted a quality of my dates to be that they would support me in that endeavor. But it's been actually a long journey of actually bringing that into practice, you know, and actually setting that boundary, even though it was my intention for a long time. So, you know, be gentle with yourself because it's hard and it's okay if you have to make some compromises along the way. But also don't date people whose ego is wrapped up and somehow taking you down, you know? Yes, definitely don't do that. Just because someone is progressive or says they're progressive and has the accoutrement of a progressive open-minded person, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're going to be as open-minded as perhaps their outward ideals say that they should be. What being open-minded is actually about is being willing to listen and maybe even change. I think what's important with anyone that I date is that they're able to actually see me and listen to me, whether or not they actually do the same things as me. So I would say that your Judaism and queerness are a wonderful little gate that will actually help you quickly weed out the people who are not worthy of your gay little heart. <laughs> also, as a final part to this question, I just want to say, I know that you're asking for advice about relationships between religious and non-religious or observant and non-observant folks, but also there is this great website that is coming into existence right now, which I heard about from Jazz of the Kosher Queers podcast called Yenta Over the Rainbow which is at oh. yentaovertherainbow.com. Yenta Over the Rainbow is a matchmaking service for LGBTQIA plus Jewish people, helping you find and connect with our diverse communities online. So it's this really cool thing. It has many of the qualities of a classic online dating site like OkCupid, but also a feature that they're going to be integrating is they're going to have real life matchmakers who are helping matchmake you based on your information on Yenta Over the Rainbow. So it's a really exciting project. Yeah, I think it is slowly powering up, you know? I don't know if it's fully launched, but I highly recommend watching out for that because I'm really excited about it, and I hope it can be helpful for you as well. Wow, okay. I'm on the website now. I am very, I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. These all look like people you would date in their little graphic. And yeah, yeah, all of those people. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's do another question. Yeah, let's go on to another question. We got a question here. Also from Anonymous, we have, I am trying to find a way to go on dates with someone during COVID, but their personal level of caution is different than the level of caution my roommates and I have agreed upon. At the same time, I am desperate for some human contact, not even sex, just like a hug. <laughs> How would you navigate trying to schedule a date with them, asking for my safety needs, but also being open to compromise so they don't just like decide it's not worth it? Hava, what is your approach here? COVID dating. Well, much like the last question, this one also applies to me because I met my current boyfriend, who I've been dating for about eight months now, during the pandemic. In some ways, it was easy for me because he actually works in an environment where they're pretty strict about COVID guidelines. So he was already really used to being masked and being distant. And so it was pretty easy to deal with those issues. But I definitely have friends for whom it's been a lot more challenging. And I think almost everyone I know has had some friction with their roommates about different levels of COVID safety and COVID concern. This is feels sort of similar, and, and this is 
easy to say and hard to live, but sort of similar to the last questions, I think I have tended to try to stick to my restrictions. And if that doesn't work for people, then obviously it was not a good match with that person to begin with. This requires a lot of resources, but one practical solution I've seen people do is to try to do some quarantines in between. People quarantine for two weeks and then they hang out with each other a bunch and then they quarantine for two weeks after that. So that's been one practical suggestion. It's hard for me to answer this question because I don't want to get too much into the field of giving medical advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to give medical advice because we don't know anything about that. Every one of dear listeners, but especially the anonymous listener who sent us this question, you mentioned your fear of them deciding it's not worth it. You're definitely worth it, listeners. You're worth the wait and worth people working to be safer, to be able to spend time with you. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, you're all worth it, except for me. I'm not worth it, but you're all worth it. Oh, Michael, you're worth it, too. Okay, but here's another thing. You're queer and hip, I'm sure. Why don't you take your roommates on the date with you? Oh, very progressive. It's COVID. Life is changing. We're never going to go back to normal. It's true. Why not just bring them on the date with you, see what happens? Maybe you're not going to get along with them, but your housemates will. And -hmm. then the tables are going to be turned, and then they're going to (laughs) be like, hey, we want to hang out with them. Then everything will be changed. Right, right. Any other comments, Hava? I think that's all I have to offer on this question. Yeah, this concludes our answering to dating advice questions. I hope this was helpful for you anonymous listeners and for all you other anonymous listeners who are listening to this right now. I hope it's helpful for you as well. I enjoyed doing this little advice centric episode. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to, uh, you know, do a little practical halakha. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this little journey. If you would like to have your question answered on the air, then send us a text or leave us a voicemail on the Talmud hotline at 401-484-1619. Or you can ask us a question anonymously on our website at chaihowareyou.com. And as always, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash And if you don't mind, share this episode on social media. It would help us continue to make more and more delicious and cool episodes and content. And we want to do a lot more cool stuff for you guys. That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, I hope you stay well. I hope you get a vaccine. And Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.